My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Campfires of Hope. Today, I have a caregiver, Lee, with me. Thank you very much for joining us, Lee. It's good to be here. Well, first, let's start off by you just telling us a little bit about yourself. And I always ask everyone to give us one fun fact. So, Okay. um, So I, uh, any camper knows uh, my wife, Mary, went by camper named coach and I'm known as coach's husband or Mary's (laughs) husband. I'm Lee. I'm an engineer. I'm a dad. Been in Colorado for 33 years and a Wyoming night at heart. And I'm old enough to be jaded by a lot of things. Uh Uh-huh. Is this your fun fact? Uh, No, my fun fact is I was once a centerfold. No. Of of a fishing magazine (laughs) that, that my dad owned. (laughs) Okay. That's awesome. That is great. Well, tell us about Mary. You've already introduced her. I did know her uh, as coach. She was one of the volunteers at my camp. Uh, so tell us a little bit about her. Um, so um, beautiful woman, um, wife, uh, daughter, I have three daughters um, who are all old now. Um, but at the <laughs> time she had cancer, um, they were much younger. Um, she's, uh, what's the best way to describe her? Kind of Tasmanian devil. She's just, she's full of energy and is a go, go, go person, uh, kind of mover and shaker the coffee generation. Um, she does not sit still. And that's what pretty much drives my life <laughs> is I'm the opposite. I'm the couch sloth. I'm the one who wants to take it easy. And so that's our dynamic. That we have going on. So when was she diagnosed and how old were your kids uh, when she was diagnosed? Oh, so it was uh, two, 2000, November of 2010. Um, so the girls have three girls. They were, let's see, Maddie would have been 11, 11, nine and five. Wow. And so they were, they were little. And so we had, we had just kind of gone through, it was a, 2010 was a really bad year. Uh, we mm. had, um, I lost my brother. We lost mm. a close friend of the family to cancer. Um, and then weeks before my wife's diagnosis, uh, we lost the, one of the family dogs. Oh to gosh. Cancer. And so, yeah, it wasn't, we, when we got the news, there was kind of this you know, general panic in the house because we had that, you know, our only experience with cancer was just in the last, those last couple of months. And, you know, it wasn't pleasant. Yeah, definitely. So what was your response and how did your daughters respond? And did they, you know, with three daughters, did they all respond differently? Oh yeah. Uh, they're, you know, they're all varied completely in hmm. personality. You know, my, my first response, I mean, pretty much like anybody is pretty much shock. 
Yeah. You know, I got because uh, it was a, a month before we got the news. She went. Um, she had to go to Boulder for the the biopsy, and it took a long mm-hmm. time to get the results. Uh, and then she called me at work, and you know, I remember the phone call vividly. Mm-hmm. And then after she said that she had cancer, I don't remember a thing about the phone. Yeah. And as I said, I remember saying that we'll, we'll get through this. Um, yeah. The kids kind of took it all differently. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the oldest. She was the one who had the, had the hardest time with it just hmm. because of her closest to the, the friend who died of cancer and yeah. with the dog. The middle one you know, was really receptive to, to everything that we had to say. Um, and the youngest just didn't understand. Yeah, um, She just knew mom was sick. And you know, she, she was a little distant um, hmm. at, at times and, and mostly because she just didn't understand. So were you guys pretty open from the beginning? This is what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and we, we waited because it was, hmm. it was right, right. The holiday seasons, you know, so we had Thanksgiving and then we're Jewish. So we were just starting Hanukkah. And so we, you know, before we you know dropped the bomb, it was, we went through the night yeah. of Hanukkah, the, the, you know, ceremony, the gift giving, food and dessert. And then we kind of walked through here's, here's what's going to happen. Wow. Here's, you know, mom's going to have surgery and then she's going to go through chemotherapy. And, and then we, you know, it's, it's really hard with kids that young to know exactly what to say. Yeah. So we let them kind of drive the conversation and, you know, we kept asking, you know, what, you know, what do you think about this? What, how are you feeling? And we're more addressing their fears mm-hmm. and just, and, and more encouraging that this isn't the same as everything else. Did you guys check in with them kind of asking questions or did you purely let them come to you after that initial conversation? Did uh, you let them come to you or did you? Uh, both. Both. Um, and, and it was, you know, once cancer treatment started, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause she had myzoid liposarcoma and had some pretty intensive chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And so there were times that she, Mary just couldn't talk. I mean, she was just out for days wow. at a time. So it was, you know, educating the kids as things were happening, be, being, having them be a part of everything and not making everything scary. Yeah. Is, you know, exactly. she had, she had one of the, the ports put on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of my nightly things, cause we had, you know, the take it home, chemotherapy with adriamycin and, and having to do some, some injections and stuff and, and boosters at night. And so they were part of the whole cleaning and, and that, mm. and, and so it was, and we didn't force them to do it. It's like, if you want, you can come in and, and see what this is about. You know, I'm going to do it. So it's okay. Yeah. And the little one didn't participate. She didn't want to have anything to do with it. The first one watched for about five minutes and then she was done with like, would not, I was just terrified of the whole thing. Yeah. And the middle one was, you know, she's, she's always been our one that's kind of out there and she was kind of fascinated by it all. Hmm. She wanted to do it. And I'm like, eh, not yet. You're just a <laughs> yeah. little. You can just watch. <laughs> so how long did her chemo? So you mentioned that she had surgery and chemo. How long did that all last? Oh, that was, so she had surgery in November and then it went, she had five cycles of, of chemo. And they were like three week cycles. So it was one week of the chemo and then two weeks of rest. We did that five times. And then she had six weeks of local radiation. So I think we were done hmm. like April-ish. So probably all in all about six months of, of mm-hmm. intense treatment. Um, and then, you know, the, all the follow-up stuff after that, you know, from the time to time stuff. Yeah. And so she, after that, I'm sure did follow-ups first. Sh- hopefully increasingly longer gaps in between the follow-ups. And so now oh, yeah, it's we're, been... we're at really long gaps now. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cause now we, what's this is going to be year 13, year 13 yeah. of being, uh, 
uh, Ned. So it's all good. That's awesome. So what did what did caregiving look like for you? I mean, you mentioned just now cleaning out the port and that kind of thing. What else was involved for you? Uh, uh, herding cats. <laughs> um, it, it, well, right. With three girls, well, I'm sure. Well, yeah. I mean, so it's not just three girls, but, you know, I joked at the very beginning that I'm, you know, Mar- um, Mary's husband. Because in the community, that's what I'm known as. You know, she was really involved with three girls yeah. in elementary school. She knew all the moms. We're in this really small town in Colorado. You know, we're about four thousand people, and so everybody oh, knows yeah. her. And, oh, and wow. I work at the, I work as far away from, from the little town that I can, and still yeah. be in you know metro area. And so I'm not around. So we had a lot of people who wanted to do something, and so mm. we were. You know, I don't know if there were the typical story, but we just seem to be very blessed as we had a lot of mm. people who wanted to help, wanted to do things. And and that was one of my biggest challenges is saying, no, you can't, you can't mm. be here. She needs to rest. As a lot of the cancer treatments went on, you know, she didn't react very well. Mm. She had, you know, bouts with the blood cells, the blood cell counts, you know, being neutropenic and yeah. all those, the, the different big words you learn going through any type of cancer treatment and just giving people, you know, giving people the the flexibility to help, but having them stand off so that they weren't in and everything we did. You know, we had people trying to clean the house and do laundry and there's some just personal things we don't want people to do mm-hmm. just from us and our, our yeah. the way we live. But the we had to schedule times for, for visitors um, to kind of keep that at bay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we did work with some people to, we did, you know, her, the, the drive to chemotherapy with different people. And we had a lot of great people come in and help us for weeks at a time. And, and, and so that was, I think probably one of, one of the biggest challenges mm-hmm. outside of just dealing with everything with a cancer patient. Um, you know, my wife, the, you know, she was a challenge as a patient because you know she <laughs> because just, of the energy level <laughs> yeah she just she can't sit still it's it's not in her genetic makeup yeah. and you know sitting still is being lazy to her and yeah. you know, it was as much as you try to reinforce that her body is doing the work of running a marathon every single day just trying to fight mm-hmm. and recover from chemotherapy she didn't get it and so yeah. she was trying to be as normal as she possibly could and you know, mm-hmm. at that time, all three kids were on a triathlon team and she was one of the coaches. And so, you know, you got high energy kids, you got high energy parents. And it, it was just trying to curtail that was, was a lot of effort. Yeah. It wasn't hard. It was just, you know, it was the things you don't really expect. And that, it was, you, know, you, yeah. you, you know, I know, I knew cancer from movies mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh, I'm going to watch somebody in bed all the time. And, you know, eventually it became that but not the first several rounds it yeah. took a while for it to really knock her on her butt <laughs> i think i think and her recovery i think is a, an attribute to, yeah. to how healthy she was and and her level of activity exactly so you you just gave me a couple of your challenges i like the analogy of hurting cats um mary being probably the biggest one trying to get her to, to, <laughs> yes. to sleep right yeah um what are you most proud of as in your role as caregiver? Um, her, her strength. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the big one. Um, and, and our, our entire community and friend group. I mean, I, mm. I, I had no idea until cancer, how connected my mm. wife was with the community and, and different people and just the generosity of people um, within our community. And even from afar, 
one of my coping mechanisms um, for all this was writing a blog. And it was kind of my release on trying to process what was happening in my head and not making it a soap opera or a drama. Mm -hmm. But what would I want to know if I was going, if, if I had to do this all over again? And so I kind of wrote it from that perspective of being the caretaker. And here's what you're going to expect on day one. Here's what to expect on day two and try to take a humorous tack to that. Yeah. But we had a lot of people across the country read it and got, you know, some help and things from just random people that we didn't know. And so, you know, that was a a huge help and surprise to me that there's that much generosity when, you know, when, when you're time of hardship and you're, you just think you're writing to nobody and you're putting it up there for maybe friends and family because you don't want to answer the same question a hundred times. <laughs> right. <laughs> so people actually stumbled upon your blog, people you didn't even know. And then they reached out yep. to help. That's amazing. Yeah. And when you were writing it, you said obviously that you were writing it for yourself, but did you have in mind caregivers or cancer survivors or both when you were writing it? Yes. Um, it was actually more for family. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm an engineer by trade. I'm, I'm an introvert. And so redundancy of questions is not something I'm really good at. And so if I can find a way to automate it, I will. And, and <laughs> exactly. so that was kind of my, you know, automated way of answering the same questions. Like, how's she doing today? How was cancer treatments? And you know, I didn't be, it wasn't a daily thing, um, but it was at big moments and, and things. Cause are, you know, with three kids and two dogs and you know, life was crazy hectic and yeah. then you throw cancer on top of that. And, you know, there's just not enough time in the day for everything you got to get done. Yeah. And you mentioned humor. How did you bring in humor into your blog posts or even with just within your family? What's the phrase? I, I'm the, um, the, the, the town clown oh. <laughs> I'm in the family. I'm, I'm just the one who is the jokester. Who, uh, you know, I make the dumb, the dumbest things funny. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, we, I've, all my kids now are really good at dad jokes. Awesome. Uh, so I've kind of always played on that sense of humor. I think it's more of a defense mechanism. But it is helpful in cancer, I, I think. <laughs> in I situations, think so. not just cancer, but I mean, in hard situations, I think it can be uh, a great relief. What would you say? So someone who is a new, newly finds themselves in the position of caregiver, what advice might you give them? These are probably things that you shared in your post <laughs> no actually i didn't um really because it was yeah it was more of reporting out and just okay. being informative um and not really how to be helpful because I, I i actually had to go reread my entire blog hmm. before i got on this podcast because it's been so long ago i yeah. don't really remember completely what it's like so the i think the for new caregivers and you know the, the advice i always got was take time for yourself but i think i'd add on to it is don't set a time for yourself. This is, you just have to fit it in. And, you know, it may uh-huh. be a long time, maybe an hour here or there. Um, it may be 10, 15 minutes. Um, you know, everybody has different, different coping skills mm-hmm. and different coping mechanisms. And I, I guess I'm fortunate enough that I, I have fairly broad shoulders, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't as burdened as other people in my position are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really need the reset. A lot. I needed to reset more when there was more social aspect, when we had, you know, three or four families trying to come over or people building dinner and just the, you know, I can't say thank you enough mm-hmm. and, and, and knowing what's the appropriate level of thank you to say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and so I needed more social battery charging um, yeah. from that standpoint. 
the sitting and blogging helped because it was like my own time with my thoughts and my own processing mechanism. I think another thing is, is in talking with a couple other people who have been caregivers, I think one commonality we've all, that I found that we had is we learned all kinds of really big words. And now we're proud of when someone says, you know, someone went hypoxic. It's like, I know what that is. I'm not even a doctor. That's and, awesome. and it's like, it's the kind of a badge of honor. You don't really realize you have. Right. And I'd say after, after being displaced from being a caregiver, be prepared for the post event arguments about mm. the event. Because Please expand. So in, in prepping for this podcast, my wife and I were kind of you know, having a little conversation of what you talk about. And there was some level of, uh, of an audible adjustment in the way we described things to each other hmm. to the point where we were almost shouting because <laughs> we didn't agree. And, and, and part of that is because as a cancer patient, you're in this, you know, you've got chemo break and you've got this fog oh, yeah. and then you're asleep for a long period of time and miss out on things that happen. And as a mm -hmm. caregiver, you're seeing it from your, your eyes. And so you don't always align with what happened because they miss things. And then there's times when you're just not there. You're not in the room right. with the doctor. You're not in there with the nurses. And so things that are said, thing, it, there's always there's going to be this disjoint um, for the remainder of your lives. <laughs> you will never, ever align that. Like, well, you'll come to an agreement that you were the caregiver. I, I was the patient and it's okay. It's like, we're going to have different views and it's fine. You know, we still love each other madly and it's not a point of contention. It's just the fact that, you know, we're, we're both very proud of each other for making it through this. That is a, I would have not thought of that. That that's an interesting, that is a very, uh, that's a, that's great advice for someone to be uh, aware that this uh, differing views of the event post event might happen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you said you, you didn't need as much caregiving for yourself so much. You did the blogging. Was there anything else for you? Did you need to take walks or um, as an introvert in particular, which I can appreciate, were there things that you needed to do to just kind of reset? Yes. No. Uh, so a lot of these things that happened during Mary's cancer seemed to align with everything that was happening in life. So mm -hmm. at, at that, that stage in life, I was going through kind of my own, let's say personal transformation. I had set my mind to it the summer before that I was finally going to lose weight. And I, I have, you know, four triathletes in my family. I can't even <laughs> run up the stairs. And so I was on a big health kick. I was, you know, working, focusing on how to eat. I was exercising. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my personal time came in making sure I got to the gym mm -hmm. and, you know, not that I was, it was anal about it, but it, it was, I needed to make sure that I maintained my own routine mm -hmm. for my own sanity and, and consistency and just being there for, for three kids. And then you pile on, you know, at that time, right before um, she was diagnosed, we had just gotten a Springer Spaniel puppy. And if you oh, know gosh. anything about Springer Spaniels, you know, they have no energy whatsoever. Right. And no, so, they are you know, just lounge, uh, yep. you know, couch potatoes for sure. Yeah. Especially yeah. puppy, and right? I mean, puppy so, alone is just low yep. energy. And so we had lots of, you know, lots of time outside walking, you know, two dog, two springers at that time, I think. Yeah. Um, and so you know, there, there was always time for some sort of activity. And mm -hmm. but just for me, it was just more trying to maintain that normality. 
Yeah, and I think definitely. a lot of that, my, my transformation helped her a lot and mm. what was happening with chemo and just the whole, you know, the, 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 the middle of chemo trying to figure out what to eat yeah. and knowing what, you know, I can give her what I can't give her and, and find yeah. that common ground. Is there anything that you would do differently? So now here you are, what, 13 years later, almost. And you look back, is there anything you would do differently knowing what you know now? Yeah. Don't adopt a Springer right before she has surgery. <laughs> that is key tip number <laughs> one right there, folks. No, um, I did the best I could under the mm-hmm. circumstances. You know, I had, you know, I was as caring and as patient as I could be. And I, I don't know of a way that I could have changed that. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept my head on straight. I was fortunate enough to have a lot of good guidance from, from different people who had family members. Yeah. Um, who, who had gone through, you know, either breast cancer or brain cancer, or, you know, all these other horrible forms of, of what this materializes into. And, you know, kind of glimmered my own bits and pieces from that. And, and that's all I've, I've tried to done um, or do. Not done. Yeah. But I, I think I may have, maybe now I might look for more of a mentor of someone mm. who's re- who is really similar to something I'm going through. But, you know, that just comes from, from anything. Yeah, you know, you're always looking for someone to teach you things. Yeah, definitely. Well, is there anything else I haven't asked you that you would want to share with someone listening, whether they're a caregiver or a survivor? I think that the, the best piece of advice I could give anybody is to have a person hmm. is, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be a friend, but just have, you know, a guy at a bar who just, you know, you can sit for five minutes and just have you. It's like, I just want to vent for five minutes and say something or, mm-hmm. you know, someone send you something just to distract you, you know, cause no, no matter how strong, you know, you are, you know, every rock eventually crumbles. And so just make sure you get those t- time for yourself to, to be able to, to reset, to be as strong as you can, because that's what they rely on you for. Definitely. It doesn't mean you have to be that strong. You need to find ways to, to be healthy with, with everything you do, whether it's mentally, mm-hmm. mental, mentally, or physically, that was a really hard word to say. It is mentally. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing is to be prepared for a lot of really weird stuff that you'd never, ever thought you'd see in your life. Cause TV doesn't teach you anything. Give me an ex- Can you give me an example? Um, One weird. Oh yeah. We have lots, um, <laughs> but you know, you, you learn what all your parts of the body are for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I did through cancer, especially if you go through the, a nasty enough chemo that gives you mm-hmm. hair loss. Yeah. And you know, it's like, what's nose hair for? Well, exactly. that from happening. I'm sniffling all the time or, Hey, I didn't know I needed eyelashes just to keep dust out of my eyes, but to keep the, the eyeball from a vat from all the water evaporating. And so it was just constant stuff like that. It's like, all right, so we'll, let's, let's get fake eyelashes. Let's work <laughs> on, you know, what are all these things? <laughs> right. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, got really good at going into makeup stores to help my wife figure out, you know, what to do. And that's and, awesome. You know, and, and as a family, you know, we're all, we're, we're fairly silly together. And so we tried to have a lot of fun with things mm-hmm. as, as we went through it. And they're, they're just, you don't know everything and mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot to learn and it's okay. That's exactly it. It's okay. I love that. Well, Lee, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Please oh, say hi to Mary. I haven't seen her for a well. while. <laughs> and uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Valentine.